We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's show is brought to you by Oakley. Oakley sunglasses are suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses allowing for an extension of self, an expression of your personality. There's more than meets the eye. And Oakley even offers prism lens technology. What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? Well, I know you do. So head on over to oakley.com and do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses. That'll be sure to change your look for the better. Head on over to oakley.com for more information today. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. We've got a lot to talk about today on the LakersNation.com podcast. Before we dive into all of it, though, I do want to wish a happy Memorial Day out there to all of you and a heartfelt thank you to those of you who served. Um, we do have a lot to discuss today. Plenty to get into. We got to talk about D'Angelo Russell. We got to talk about some potential free agent targets. We've got some fan questions and comments to get into. We'll talk about the NBA playoffs as well but before we dive into all of that i want to remind everyone of our off-season schedule for now through probably about the end of july maybe the last week of july we're still going to be going five days a week and our live show schedule will be as follows mondays and wednesday nights at eight o'clock pacific time we'll go live to talk lakers basketball directly with you fridays 2 o'clock Pacific time, we'll have our fun Friday show kick off the weekend. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'll be doing live shows over on AMP at noon Pacific time. So you can come join me there, and that is your opportunity to call in to the show. I'm going to put the link to our AMP show down in the description so you guys can check that out as well. So that's the plan for the offseason. Hopefully you come join us tonight for our live show again 8 o'clock Pacific time. Let's hang out and talk some Lakers basketball. All right, a lot to get into for today's show. Plenty of things to discuss. And let's unfortunately start with the NBA Finals. Um, just a terrible turn of events. Obviously, the uh, the Celtics were down 3-0, and now the series is tied 3-3 on an improbable buzzer beater by Derek White. Just gross. Just I mean, look, it, from a basketball perspective, an incredible play. Um, an all-time playoff moment for sure. But from a Lakers fan perspective, absolutely disgusting stuff happening um, in that series. Miami looking like they're going to be, and this is what I'm expecting to happen now, looking like they're going to be the first team to ever blow a 3-0 series lead because, of course, because we just can't have nice things. I was really looking forward to a stress-free NBA Finals if it was the Heat and 
the Nuggets, I wouldn't particularly care one way or another who won it. And so I wouldn't be worrying about it all that much. But obviously, if Boston gets through and that is they are the heavy, heavy favorite heading into tonight's game seven, it would take a monumental collapse on their part for them not to go through to the NBA finals at this point. I am looking at this series as already over. It ended in game six in my mind. That was it. That was the Heat's chance to win it. And they failed to get one more rebound, and that ultimately was their undoing. But, hey, hopefully the Heat proved me wrong, and they come out and they somehow win Game 7. I don't think it's going to happen, but, again, I certainly hope I will be celebrating if they prove me wrong. Unfortunately, it's looking like we're going to get an NBA Finals with the Celtics in it, which is gross. Uh, against the Denver Nuggets, and we will all have to become Denver Nuggets fans. I know there's some younger Lakers fans that don't feel any kind of a rivalry with Boston. And so I get that, and there's still some animosity towards Denver just because the Western Conference Finals. But So maybe there are a few Lakers fans that would pull for, for Boston in that situation. But for me, it, that's, it's not an option. You are always rooting against the Celtics. I don't care who they're, they're playing. Um, it is always anti-Celtics for me. So, um, yeah, I was hoping for a stress-free NBA Finals. Doesn't look like that's what we're going to get. And again, unless Boston just completely falls flat on their faces in Game 7, which I would celebrate, but I don't think it's going to happen. So it looks like it's going to be Celtics and Nuggets in the NBA Finals, which means we will have to pull for, most of us anyway, pull for the team that knocked the Lakers out in the Denver Nuggets. I'm seeing a lot of confidence in the Nuggets, though, a lot of people saying, well, the Nuggets will beat the Celtics in five. They're better than either one of these teams that we're seeing, Miami uh, or Boston. I sure hope so. I sure hope so. Personally, though, I was really hoping to not even have to worry at all about Boston being there and just be able to focus on the finals themselves. Fortunately, it doesn't look like that's going to happen, but we'll see what happens tonight in game seven. Um, again, just from a Lakers fan perspective, not ideal to see that going on, particularly when the Lakers went down 3-0 and then got swept, couldn't win game four despite playing LeBron uh, almost the entire game, all but four seconds. So not a great conclusion to the NBA playoffs here for the Lakers, especially so if Boston goes ahead and wins an NBA championship coming off of this. Again, that improbable last-second shot. Uh, tragic stuff. Tragic stuff, for sure, from our perspective. All right. Let's talk a little bit about uh, a little thing that was in the news recently, and that is the Mavs and their interest in D'Angelo Russell, or lack thereof. Now, there has been, and I did a whole video on this for the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Lakers Nation. There has been a real push for uh, from Lakers fans for the team to go out and get Kyrie Irving. And it's understandable, right? I mean, you look at what happened with the Lakers against Denver. You look at their three-point shooting uh, being an issue. Look at D'Angelo Russell, his shortcomings being... I mean, my goodness, what an awful series for D'Angelo Russell against the Denver Nuggets. And you can't help but think about an upgrade. And Kyrie is already a guy that's been connected to the Lakers many, many times. And the wheels start turning. You start thinking, man, wouldn't it be great if the Lakers could get Kyrie right now? And so I've heard a lot of D'Angelo Russell sign and trade for, for Kyrie. And I've talked a lot about why that's very unlikely to happen, why sign and trades are so, so difficult to pull off. Um, all, all of that. And according to Mark Stein, who's about as tuned into the Dallas side of things as anybody, Dallas has no interest in D'Angelo Russell, at least in him being the main piece coming back in a sign and trade scenario. So everything we've heard is that Dallas wants to keep Kyrie Irving. They intend to keep him and they are not going to entertain sign and trade options at all. Now, 
I've talked about this. This is I've talked about why the Lakers should have the stance out there of we will match anything for Rui and Austin. Even if that's not true, that's still what they want out there right now because they want opposing teams to think, well, you know what? The Lakers are going to match anything. Why bother even giving these guys an offer sheet? Why bother even trying to steal these guys away? It doesn't matter. We have no shot at them because the Lakers are going to match. That's the sentiment the Lakers want out there. Just like the Mavericks in this situation with Kyrie, the sentiment they want out there is that the Mavs will simply refuse to help any team with the sign and trade. And what that would mean is that the only way for Kyrie to get paid the money that he wants would be to either stay with the Mavs or sign with a team that has cap space. And if you've looked at the teams that have cap space, there's just not anybody that would be particularly enticing for Kyrie to go join up with that team. And the Mavs understand that. So if they take that hardline stance of no sign and trades, period, even if maybe they would listen to some sign and trades, but if they put that out there now, that limits Kyrie's options even further and allows them to negotiate more directly one-on-one without another team coming along and catching his eye and saying, hey, what do you guys think about, you know, maybe we can get a sign and trade. You can bring it to the Lakers. So I'm not surprised that that's the sentiment that the Mavs want out there is that they won't entertain sign and trades. I also think it's just accurate that, yeah, they probably don't want D'Angelo Russell as the main piece in a Kyrie Irving sign and trade situation. It makes sense. I can't imagine there's a lot of teams right now that are climbing over themselves to make an offer to D'Lo after he performed so poorly on the big stage in the Western Conference Finals, right? Now, I've said D'Lo was very good for the Lakers in the regular season, shot better than 40% from three, had over 17 points, over six assists. Um, He was good, particularly on the offensive end, and I like his fit there offensively. But uh, I think his market is going to be fascinating. His market is going to be fascinating. And I think that this isn't necessarily a bad thing for the Lakers. I think you can actually potentially retain D'Lo at a price that's cheaper than we would have expected uh, coming into this summer. Because again, what I'm looking around the NBA and it's hard to see where D'Angelo Russell's next offer comes from, at least an offer that's above the mid-level exception, which the Lakers can offer above the mid-level because they have his bird rights. So they can give him an offer of 18 million, something like that, 20 million, something in that range, they can give him that offer. Teams that don't have cap space can't give him that. And so looking around the NBA, what cap space team is going to want is going to want uh Delo? Like, is it um the Houston Rockets? Is he a fit there? Yeah, I mean, not really, especially if they're gonna go after James Harden. Yeah, I mean, look at San Antonio. Is he a fit there? Maybe, but they're bringing in Wembenyama. I don't like there isn't just a clear fit for him now again all it takes is one team it takes one team saying yeah we actually think he'd be a decent fit and if we can get him on a bargain of a contract this will kind of mess with the lakers too let's go after d'angelo russell now again you're not hearing his name connected to a lot of teams like we've already heard the spurs might pursue austin reeves not a surprise austin's probably gonna have a lot of teams that have interest in him we're not hearing the same thing about d'angelo russell but again it takes one team to mess up that dynamic. It takes one team saying, Dilo, we really want you. Here is a three-year deal, $75 million, and then the Lakers are put in a tough spot, right? So I don't want to say there's just no interest in D'Angelo Russell around the NBA or that no team's going to make an offer because remember, it takes one. But looking around the league right now, it's hard to see exactly where that offer is going to come from. It doesn't. It's not a clear, cut-and-dry situation. Again, it takes one team, but... I do wonder if the Lakers are in 
a really good spot with D'Lo, unfortunately, because he performed so poorly in the Western Conference Finals. What those negotiations look like, what I would expect to see from the Lakers is a shorter-term deal, like two years maybe. Maybe it's three years, but if it's three years, you're probably cutting down on the amount you're giving him per year. Maybe you can even get a team option into the final year of a deal with D'Angelo Russell and see if you can get something done like that, something fairly team-friendly. That way, at worst, D'Angelo Russell is preserved as a trade asset, even if you decide, you know what, he's not a long-term fit, and that's not where I'm at. I don't feel like he is just simply not a long-term fit for the Lakers. But if that's where you ultimately land, you want to have him on a team-friendly contract that is very tradable so you can flip him down the road for something that you do need, which is going to be our next topic. What is it that the Lakers need this summer? But D'Angelo Russell's free agent market, just to put a bow on this, is going to be very fascinating to watch, very fascinating to follow. What is it that he's ultimately going to get? And the Lakers have to be careful. Again, I think they are in a strong position right now by having his bird rights and by the cap space teams mostly not really being obvious fits for D'Angelo Russell. However, you also have to be careful, right? If you lowball D'Lo too much, for example, let's say you were to, to tell D'Angelo Russell, hey, we will do a three-year, $45 million deal, average annual value of $15 million. Well, the full mid-level exception is 12. Would that be enough? You're cutting D'Lo. Remember, he made $30 million this year. You're cutting his salary in half next year. Now, Lakers fans might say, well, yeah, he was terrible in the Western Conference Final. On the biggest stage, he was awful. $15 million sounds about right, right? We should get a discount on him because he was so bad there. And there's that frustration, that animosity towards him is still out there. I'm seeing it from Lakers fans. But put yourself in D'Angelo Russell's shoes. If you're D'Lo and the Lakers offer you $15 million per year for three seasons, wouldn't you be better off just taking someone's mid-level exception at about $12 million and taking a one-year deal and then hitting free agency again next summer when hopefully you can rehab your value a bit? That might be the better path. I'm not saying it's for sure, and, and usually I'm more risk-averse. So if I was an agent and I was advising a, an athlete, I would tend to tell them to take the long-term security and the long-term money because you just never know. But again, in a situation like that where the money's so close, it wouldn't be impossible for D'Angelo Russell to rehab his value and be a 20-plus million player next summer, if not more. So that's where you got to be careful if you're the Lakers. Well, yes, I think they're in, they're in an advantageous situation, you also can't lowball him so much that you push him just to say, all right, well, forget you then. I'm going to go take a one-year mid-level exception deal from somebody because I'm sure some team's going to offer him that. And I'm going to rehab my value and then I'm going to hit the market next summer and I'm going to be a better than $20 million player and you guys are going to lose me for nothing. Um, there's two bad scenarios here for the Lakers. The worst case scenario is you sign him to a bad contract. If you give him $30 million per year, over four years, you give them $120 million. That's a bad contract, right? That's a contract that not a lot of teams are going to have interest in trading. You're going to be stuck with that. Hopefully, he performs up to up to task, right? He is up to that level. He performs at that quality. If he doesn't, then you've, you've weighed yourself down with a bad contract. So that's the worst case scenario. But the second worst case scenario is losing D'Angelo Russell for nothing. So that's a very fine line to walk, right? You want to get him on a bargain but you don't want to lowball him so much that you lose him. And so finding that middle ground is going to be the task 
for Rob Plink. And that is, of course, unless they can find a sign and trade situation that makes sense. I don't want to bank on there being a sign and trade with D'Lo. They're very difficult to, to pull off. Uh, even you could try to find a way to sign and trade him to a cap space team. Just give them a second round pick or something for their troubles. You could generate a trade exception. So all is not lost if D'Angelo Russell is leaving, but sign and trades are not necessarily easy to negotiate. And there is always that chance that he walks away and you get nothing for him. And that's not what you want if you are the Los Angeles Lakers. So in any event, though, the Mavs don't appear to be interested in D'Angelo Russell, at least not as the main piece for a Kyrie Irving trade. So again, I'll tell you this. I've been I'll be saying it all summer. Lakers Nation, if you are pinning your hopes on the Lakers getting Kyrie Irving, two things. Number one, it's not impossible. It's not impossible for them to land him. But it's very, very, very unlikely. That's number two. It's very unlikely. So if you are pinning your hopes to Kyrie Irving becoming a Laker, if you're going to be that person that if Kyrie re-signs with Dallas, you're going to throw your hands up and you're going to say, the Lakers blew it. What are they doing? No, it's very unlikely to happen. I would strongly suggest that you assume it's not happening. Assume that it's not. Logistically, it's very difficult for it to work out. And then if it does, you can be pleasantly surprised and we could say, man, how did Rob Palenka navigate this and, and all of that? But strongly recommend that you don't look at Kyrie Irving as a legit option for the Lakers, more of kind of a dream scenario. Who knows? Maybe Kyrie says, hey, I'll come play for the mid-level exception, and that changes everything, changes the math on all of this. But most likely, he's going to stay with Dallas, and that's what we're going to see happen. All right, let's talk about the Lakers' biggest need. So when we're looking at this roster, right, I think the Lakers did a fantastic job. And by the way, I'm going to get to fan questions and comments in, in just a moment. But when we look at, at this roster, I think the Lakers did a fantastic job pivoting midseason. Rob Palenka did, the front office did, and landing guys like D'Angelo Russell, who was a big part of getting them to the Western Conference Finals. Jared Vanderbilt, my goodness, you, he's under contract next season for less than $5 million. What a bargain that is, uh, even with his limitations. You've got Malik Beasley, who is in his mid-20s, did not shoot well for the Lakers, but still, in theory, was a good addition. You were a team that needed three-point shooting. He was supposed to bring you that. Didn't quite work out, but that's kind of the gamble that you take with three-point shooters. Um, you add Rui Hachimura, who was of the group of new players, probably the best of the new players, at least for the postseason anyway. Rui was fantastic, and he certainly made himself some money, just as D'Angelo Russell cost himself some money this summer, uh, or this uh this playoff stretch, Rui Hachimura made himself somebody. Teams are going to be after him. But Mobamba, we didn't get to see much of, right? So he's kind of a question mark at this point. But the Lakers added some solid pieces at, at the trade deadline. But when we look at this team and we look at what was their undoing uh, in the postseason, I think the two things that stand out the most, and we can talk about, well, they need a third star, but then do you want to sacrifice the depth? And there's that whole conversation we can get into. But statistically, their biggest needs, there's two of them, and they shouldn't come as any surprise. It's their three-point shooting and their the offensive rebounds they gave up. Not good in either area. Look, on the season, the regular season, the Lakers were the sixth worst three-point shooting team in terms of percentage on the season. Now, I think that can be a little bit misleading. It can be a little bit misleading because they were actually in the middle of the pack 
after the trade deadline. So after you added D'Angelo Russell, who shot better than 40% from three, um, that opened some things up. It also created some more shot opportunities for Austin Reeves, which he shot better than 40% from three. So that opened some things up for him to be more involved with Russell Westbrook on. Malik Beasley, again, did not shoot the ball that well as a Laker, but shot well enough to where I don't think he really pulled you down much either while increasing your three-point volume. So the Lakers did do some things to address their three-point shooting. Rui Hachimura can knock them in just enough to keep defenses honest. Wouldn't call him a sniper, although he shot it very, very well in the postseason. But nonetheless, the Lakers could still use some three-point shooting. Look, their three-point percentage dropped to 33% for the postseason, and there's no question, and Lakers fans, we all know, we all know. As soon as the Lakers, as soon as somebody puts on a Lakers jersey, they forget how to shoot. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I don't know why. I don't know why this is a thing, but it seems like players go through terrible shooting slumps when they put on a, a Lakers jersey. Now, I'll say this. I think part of it is we just notice that. We don't notice it when a guy that's on the Knicks goes in a terrible shooting slump, a guy that's on the Magic, a guy that's on an East Coast th- team that we don't pay a lot, of, a lot of attention to, that we don't watch a lot. Um, we don't notice it when those guys go through shooting slumps. The fact of the matter is that shooting inherently is a, a streaky stat. It doesn't always stick to what a guy who shoots 38% from three doesn't mean every month of the season they're going to shoot 38% from three. They might have a month where they shoot 43% and then another month where they shoot 33%, right? And you will ultimately balance out. But that's just shooting in a nutshell. That's the way that statistical category goes. Nonetheless, I think the Lakers do need to find some shooters who they can depend on a bit more because by the end of, of the postseason run, how many of the guys that we saw that were positives or supposed to be positives for the Lakers shooting the three were suddenly unplayable? I mean, look, if, if you look based on percentage, three of their top three-point shooters or at least were supposed to be, were D'Angelo Russell, Troy Brown, and Malik Beasley. Troy Brown shot 38% from deep on the season. D'Lo was over 40%. And Malik Beasley was specifically brought in to be a sniper. 
all three of them were essentially unplayable in the Denver series to close things out. So that definitely hurt your ability to spread the floor. And you thought you would address that problem at the trade deadline. So when I look at what the Lakers need this offseason, certainly three-point shooting is up there on the list. Now, again, they were middle of the pack post-trade deadline. And if we believe that if Troy Brown is brought back, which, by the way, if, if you can get him for another minimum, if you can get him, yeah, no problem. No problem. I would bring him back in a heartbeat. Unfortunately, when we talk about guys who made themselves money and guys who cost themselves money, I think Troy Brown's poor performance in the playoffs where the lights just looked a little too bright for him, um, that probably cost him a, a bit of money on the free agent market because he had a stretch this season where he was fantastic. He even started a bunch of games for LeBron, but we'll see what the free agent market brings for him. But bottom line, if you are the Lakers, you can look at this and say, if we just duplicate what we did this last season, then we're at least a middle of the pack three-point percentage team. But I still think you add, need to add more. I still think you need to add that other player, at least one that can come in there and bump you up to say in the top 10 in three-point percentage. That's a big leap, but that should be the goal for the Lakers. It's been so long. It feels like it's been ages since they've had a team that is, is good at shooting the three. And I feel like if you can get yourself into that top third of the NBA, then even if you do get that bit of a decline in the postseason, you still have enough shooting out there because the shooting really ran dry uh, in the playoffs this year for the Lakers. So that's one big need. The other thing I'm looking at, it's the rebounding, right? Offensive rebounding post all-star break. So once they had their full, they had their team intact. Yes, LeBron was out with an injury, but you've got your guys in. They're used to your system. They're understanding their responsibilities post all-star break. They ranked 19th in the NBA in offensive rebounds given up. And we saw that become a huge problem against Denver and against Golden State. Both teams crushed the Lakers on the offensive glass. And it was so frustrating. You'd watch the defense and the Lakers were a great defense. You watch their defense go to extremes, right? Flying all over the court, making the extra rotation just to get a stop. And they force a missed shot and they can't control the rebound and you give up an offensive rebound to your opponent, and then you got to do it all over again, except now you're really in scramble mode, and the ball's getting kicked out to Steph Curry for a three, or the ball's getting kicked out to Bruce Brown, who suddenly can shoot threes, or Aaron Gordon, who's the guy you want shooting threes, and suddenly is hitting them all. By the way, Denver, you better keep that up against Boston. I'm going to be really upset if Denver suddenly forgets how to shoot against Boston, and when they were red hot against the Lakers all series long. But... The challenge, though, with both of those things, shooting and rebounding, is they don't tend to go hand in hand. If you're the Lakers, I'm looking at the Lakers roster this offseason, I'm thinking they need one. Assuming they keep Rui, assuming they keep Austin, let's say they keep D'Lo, you're not going to have money to go get a big, big-time player. But let's say you can keep your salaries low enough to use your full mid-level. Can you get one guy who's a true difference maker? That's what I'm looking for. You're not going to get a star, but can you get one guy that's a true difference maker? And then who do you go get? There's not a lot out there on the market. When you look at who's realistically available, there's not a lot. And that's why I do wonder if, if the 17th pick is going to be in play. I think they'll listen to offers on it, but is that the best path trading? The, I don't want to see them trade the pick. I think there's some interesting options at, with the 17th selection in the draft, but 
free agency might be a little bit tough this year. There's not a lot of guys out there. We're seeing more of a trend of players extending with their current teams and then figuring out their, their destination later via trade, get the money now, figure out the destination later. That's becoming more and more of a thing in the NBA. So I think that if they can find that guy with their mid-level exception, that's great. That's great. But I don't think you're going to address both of these things at the same time. They tend to not go hand in hand. Guys who shoot the three well typically aren't great rebounders. Guys who are great rebounders typically don't shoot the three well. And so that's going to be the challenge. Can you find this out on the free agent market or on the trade market and address both of these things? Now you can say the rebounding could be addressed by moving Anthony Davis back to power forward and getting a legit center. But aside from, say, Brooke Lopez, and I don't know that even a mid-level exception is enough to get him, and he's not exactly a monster on the boards either, is there a player that can check both of those boxes? Well, let's take a look at the free agent class and who's out there right now. Um, this is via Spot Track. This is their list of who's there in free agency. And podcast listeners, I'll, I'll read through some of these. Uh, Russell Westbrook. And by the way, this is in ranked in order of last year's salary. Russell Westbrook at the top of the list. Yeah, that's not happening, right? <laughs> right. We don't have to worry about that. Uh, James Harden, Chris Middleton, Kyrie Irving. Again, does Kyrie suddenly want to take way less to come to the Lakers? Probably not. Kristaps Porzingis. Then we hit our guy, D'Angelo Russell. So pretty much everybody I just named, aside from D'Lo, because the Lakers actually have bird rights on him, the Lakers aren't going to have enough to get them. Um, even if they gut their roster, the most they can offer Kyrie is like the mid-30s in terms of a starting salary. He could get 45, 46 from Dallas starting. So that's a big pay cut you're asking him to take. So I wouldn't even assume Kyrie is even possible, even with his links to the Lakers. Um, D'Lo, okay, he helps you out with the three-point shooting. Kevin Love, in theory, is a guy who helps you out with both. Are you willing to sign him? He can rebound a bit. He can shoot a bit, but he's also pretty old. He's going to be 35. So is that really the fit that you want? Nikola Vucevic. Again, I don't think you have enough money to get him. If you could get Vucevic on a mid-level exception deal, yeah, I would do that in heartbeat. He's not the best defensive player, but I think he would complement Anthony Davis fairly well. Uh 32 and a half years old and he's going to be a free agent but he also made i believe it was 25 million last season that's a lot that's a lot and so asking him to take a mid-level exception that's a big pay cut and so i don't see that happening draymond green can't really shoot can be a good rebounder again you're not getting him for the amount of money the lakers have to offer next on the list fred van vliet can you get him is that potentially a D'Lo sign and trade? Do the Toronto Raptors say, you know what? We need a guard. Fred Van Vliet, his time is up. He's going to move on. Let's at least get something. Let's get D'Lo and like a second round pick or something for Fred Van Vliet. Okay. Or maybe the Lakers have to give up a first. I don't know. But let's get that. Um, the problem is he has a player option. Now, from the Lakers perspective, you'd much rather him opt in. And then you could trade for him. If he opts out, and you have to do the dreaded double sign and trade. That means you're triggering a hard cap by accepting a player via trade, via sign and trade. So that's challenging right there. And he didn't shoot the ball all that well this season. So does he really address either one of those concerns? Rebounding a three-point shooting? Eh, not really. Uh, Harrison Barnes kind of took a step back this year, but 
wouldn't be a bad wing for the Lakers to target. Could potentially be an option there. That's really the first guy that I've gotten to where I thought, yeah, the Lakers, aside from D'Angelo Russell, because the Lakers have his bird rights, where I thought, you know what? the Lake, Yeah, the Lakers could be able to sign Harrison Barnes. But again, he wasn't great this season for Sacramento. But, you know, uh, you could do worse. He's a guy that uh, I thought was really interesting on the wing this season. But again, I've been looking at this Lakers offseason thinking a big and a guard are probably the the more pressing needs, even though I'm the one who's constantly saying that you need to stack up as many wings as you can. So maybe an option there, though, can help you out a little. I mean, not a great rebounder, but helps you out a bit there. Um, Jeremy Grant, not getting him. Uh, Portland's going to keep him almost certainly. Karis LeVert, could you go get him as at, a, at a, the two? Maybe. Maybe that's a fit, but I, I don't know what he's going to cost there, but perhaps that's somebody else when we look at, at Harrison Barnes, Gary Trent Jr. Uh, again, could be a free agent, could pick up his player option. If he doesn't, could that be a trade for the Lakers? He's a name that's been connected to the Lakers for a while. Would help you a bit with the three-point shooting. Our old friend Malik Beasley comes up. I don't know what the Lakers do with Malik Beasley. $16.5 million, it's a lot of money. And we've been saying since, the, since uh, last spring that you just pick it up. Just pick it up, and then worst case, he's a $16.5 million expiring contract. You, you, you can use him in a trade. But with the new rules of the collective bargaining agreement and the super tax, that makes it more difficult to just stack up that salary. So I don't know what the Lakers do with Malik Beasley. Actually, one of the things I wouldn't mind seeing them do, and I think they are going to scour the market using the expiring contracts of Malik Beasley and Mo Bamba and see what they can find when they attach one or both of those guys to their 17th pick and see what they can get. Um, doesn't mean a deal is going to come together, but I think that's what the Lakers are going to do. They're going to try to find out what can we get with those pieces. Now, if a trade doesn't make sense for Malik Beasley, I do wonder if the Lakers just say, you know what, we're not going to pick up your, this option, but we still have your bird rights. So let's work out a two-year agreement, something like that, and we'll do two years, $15 million. We'll do two years, $20 million. something like that. Say, hey, we still believe in you. You went into a slump this year, but we think that you're a better shooter than what you so showed in the second half of the season here with us. And so we're going to give you a new deal, but we're going to pay you less per year. Maybe that's something you do. You try to get a team-friendly deal from Lake Beasley that's still very tradable uh, if you do decide that you want to move it while saving yourself a little bit of money and lowering, lowering yourself below that super tax a little bit more this year. You don't lose Malik Beasley for nothing. Maybe that's something the Lakers look at. But moving on. Derek Rose, Will Barton. Nope, nope. Christian Wood. Here's another one that's interesting, right? And, and look, this is like we're going to start getting to the point where the free agent market is going to thin. And how many players have we identified that are even interesting for the Lakers to fit those needs of rebounding three-point shooting? Not a lot, right? And remember, there's 30 teams competing for these guys. Christian Wood. This is a guy that I have liked a lot as a potentially a partner with Anthony Davis. Uh, he's he's very lengthy. He's got the ability to shoot the three. He's a big. I've got more concerns than I did last summer with him in terms of motor, in terms of fit with the locker room. Skill set is still very intriguing. Two very, very versatile offensive players with Christian Wood and Anthony Davis to put the two of them side by side. It's an interesting fit. It's an interesting fit for me. But nonetheless... The Mavs may be looking to move on from him. Unrestricted free agent, but he's not even 28 years old. He's an option. Uh, 
Brooke Lopez uh, made about 13 million this season, was almost the defensive player of the year. He's 35. I don't think the full mid-level exception is enough to get him. If he could, he'd probably be the best fit of anybody. He'd probably be the best fit of anybody. And ironic because the Lakers could have kept him and they let him walk away. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, years ago. Kyle Kuzma, nope, he's going to make too much. Would be great to bring him back. Jordan Clarkson, yeah, I mean, it's not really the three-point shooter that you need. He's a scorer. He's a great scorer. But he's not the three-point shooter that you need in terms of uh, overall percentage. He can do some damage, certainly be that microwave scorer for you, but uh, he's also not going to help you on the glass. Josh Hart would be great, but we're already hearing that New York is going to give him at least $18 million per year. The Lakers can't get there on that. Josh Hart would indeed help you in both categories in three-point shooting, and he is a fantastic rebounder for a guard, but um, probably not going to happen. Kelly Oubre Jr.? Okay, what's his health status? He's coming off an injury. What does that look like? Josh Richardson can shoot a bit. Um, was a wing that we talked about a lot as a potential target for the Lakers. Is he worth that full mid-level exception? I don't know. We'll see. It may be an option to put in there. Dylan Brooks? Oh, my goodness. Can't shoot the three, but he's a good defender. Um, do you really want to sign up for that, though? Everything that happened with Dylan Brooks. I mean, look, LeBron played with Lance Stevenson, so who knows? But I don't know if that's the best way to go. Dwight Powell can definitely help you out on the glass. Um, what can you get him for? Is he a guy you feel good about paying, say, a taxpayer mid-level to? Do you feel good paying him $5 million? That's not bad. But... He'll help you out a bit on the boards. He's springy. It isn't going to really space the floor much for you. Taylor Horton Tucker probably picks up his player option. Um, been there, done that obviously for the Lakers. Alec Burks uh, has a team option. The Pistons probably pick that up just to preserve him as an asset. Jay Crowder you could potentially sign, but what's it going to cost you to get a wing like him? Uh, maybe he helps you out a bit on the glass, but getting older is going to be 33 Victor Oladipo's dealt with, obviously, an injury. Uh, Dario Saric, maybe. Jakob Pertl, you're not going to get. Uh, Toronto's going to keep him. He's going to cost you too much. Mason Plumley, are the Clippers going to let him get away? And how comfortable are you paying him a significant amount? Seth Curry, maybe that's a fit. Can give you some three-point shooting. I do like him. Bruce Brown, go steal Bruce Brown from Denver. Maybe that's the way to go. Didn't shoot great from three during the uh, the regular season, but have to imagine that he's going to get a bump um, on his salary this next go-round. But as you can see, like now we're getting into Lonnie Walker, we're getting into Rudy Gay, Kobe White, Jackson Hayes, old friend Kendrick Nunn. This is where Rui Hachimura pops up. Cam Reddish. Let's, uh, the Lakers chose Rui over Cam Reddish. Don't have a problem with that. I think they made the right decision. Dante DiVincenzo could be interesting if you're looking for another guard. But you can see as I go through this list how quickly it's now thinned out. So that's that's the concern here for the Lakers. It's when we look at what, who are you targeting to fix the Lakers' biggest problems, I look at really like a, there's a couple of interesting guys in terms of rebounding three-point shooting. Trey Lyles, Nas Reed. I don't know what it's going to cost to get either one of them. And I, I think I would prefer Nas Reed over Trey Lyles, but... Both of those guys are interesting fits that could, in theory, address both your rebounding concern. Nas Reed certainly being the, the better rebounder, uh, as well as a bit of your shooting, can give you some floor spacing from a, a big position. But 
guys like that would probably be the main targets. But if you still need to get one guy, I don't know if that one guy, let's say you're trying to get, you bring back most of your team and you're trying to get one guy that's going to put you over the top. I don't know that that one guy is going to address those concerns of your three-point shooting and your rebounding. So you're going to have to try to make those up on the margins, which is going to be difficult. Because again, most of the time, the big-time rebounders that don't cost you a fortune to get are not three-point shooters. The big-time three-point shooters that aren't going to cost you a fortune to get, that's really all they do is shoot the three, right? If they do more than that, then they're super expensive and you're probably priced out with your mid-level exception. So all of this, this whole discussion here, is just to underscore what that the Lakers' big needs are not going to be easy to fix this summer, um, particularly finding players who can fill multiple roles. It might be more of a hodgepodge situation where you try to find a rebounder, you try to find a three-point shooter, but those are guys that come playoff time, you run into problems, right? If you have a rebounder that can't shoot threes, well, teams are going to exploit that. They're going to ignore them on the offensive end. If you have a guy who can shoot threes, but can't defend, can't rebound, teams are going to exploit that. They're going to target him in the postseason. So finding those guys that are multifaceted in their skill sets, but are still affordable for the Lakers, oh, it's like a needle in a haystack. So again, why when I'm looking at that particular list, the list we just went over of the free agent uh, options this summer, I think you can land a guy that can kind of be a big addition for you, particularly if you have that full mid-level exception. But if you really want to fix what ails the Lakers, you're going to have to do it in the margins and you're going to have to kind of piecemeal it together, which again can be a problem come the postseason. And, and you're probably going to have to do it on the trade market, which again brings us back to the 17th pick. What are you willing to trade that for? Because that might be the Lakers' best option. And again, I like who's there in the draft. I like who's sitting there at 17 potentially. Um, there's going to be a lot of good options. Sean Davis even made a case for the Lakers moving back because there's so many good options there that you could move back and just take your best player available uh, out of that tier. I don't hate that idea if you can pick up a, a real piece there. But finding the guy that's going to put the Lakers over the top in the free agent market may not be easy this year. Again, just went through it. It's not a super deep free agent class. Yes, I named a lot of names, but it's not like all of those names are saying, yeah, I want to come be a Laker. There's 30 teams competing for these, these guys. It's not a very deep pool in terms of gettable free agents that the Lakers are also in, that are in the Lakers price range. That may not be an easy thing for LA. All right, going to get to a few fan questions and comments before we wrap up the show. Uh, but first... Quick shout out to our sponsor, and that is Oakley. We are super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. You can express your style and build a look that's made for you. Do you run? Do you golf? Do you train? Just want to look like your favorite athlete? Guys like Lamar Jackson, Debo Samuel, Aaron Jones, the backbone of my dynasty team, Justin Jefferson, all of these guys wear Oakley you want to train like them, you need to get yourself a pair of Oakley's today. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do. So head on over to oakley.com and do your own research. While you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. 
when you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me. Try it for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands. Can assure you Oakley is the best looking and the best quality out there. Head on over to Oakley.com for more information today. All right, let's get into some fan questions and comments. Uh, some of these still coming in from uh, after game four. But again, we're going to have some more live shows coming up. We've got one tonight at eight o'clock Pacific time. So come join us for that. You can ask your own uh, questions. But let's see. Lakers fan in need of a mental break. Understandable. Understandable, particularly as things have developed with uh, the Eastern Conference Finals as well. Lakers fans who follow this team through ups and downs will be proud of the 2023 team. Acquire a legit center. They'll be better for next season. Um, yeah, I think there is a lot to be proud of with this team for this season. It's frustrating that they got swept, but um, there's a lot to be happy about with what we saw from this team as well. And also add this, acquire a legit center. I put this out on Twitter. I said, what is it the most important thing for the Lakers to acquire this offseason? I put a guard, a wing, or a big. And big one. Yeah, a big one. That's what won. And typically, again, I'm very wing oriented, right? I, I tend to, if I'm building out a team, I want to see a lot of wings that are very switchy. They can shoot the three. They can do a lot of things that are multifaceted. That's what I'm looking for. Um, Rob Palenka infamously had his saying that it's a guards league uh, last year. Look, there's a lot of very good guards in this league, but I tend to look at things from a defensive standpoint. And the way you have a good defensive team is by having a lot of wings that can do a lot of different things for you. So it's interesting though, that I can't really disagree that, yeah, they probably do need another big. And of course, that begs the question, is Mo Bamba that big? And do you need to pick up or guarantee his contract next season for $10.3 Can you get him for less than that? Do you only use him as a trade chip? If Mo Bamba is not that guy, what's it going to cost you to go get Nas Reed? Does he even want to come to LA? Could you get him? Could you get another big? Is there some way you could get Brooke Lopez? Does he want to come back to LA when he said, I'll take less to stay and the Lakers said, no, thank you. Maybe not proximity to Disneyland, notwithstanding, maybe he doesn't want to come back. So can you get that big? That's really going to help you next season. Can you get that big? That's going to take some of that burden off of Anthony Davis. I do think it's critical. I do think that if the Lakers bring back their current guard situation, which would be Dennis Schroeder, which I think they'll probably has to use part of their mid-level exception to keep him. So that may limit your big options. But if it's Dennis Schroeder, D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves as your three-headed monster, so to speak, at guard, that's fine. That's fine. But then you really have to focus on getting that big that you need. Because I do agree. I think they need another big. They need a true center that can play either next to Anthony Davis or without him or to give him a rest. You need to find that guy. You need to find him. Arctic Silver. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but we're not getting the fouls we rightly deserve. Well, I'll tell you this. Fans of other teams would be absolutely beside themselves to hear Lakers fans complaining about fouls because the Lakers uh, got so many foul calls and there was such a huge discrepancy between the Lakers and opposing teams. Now, that said, I think the Lakers were very, very good, very disciplined defensively in terms of defending without fouling. And on the offensive end, they had getting to the free throw line because they didn't shoot threes very well getting to the free throw line was a key strategic plan of theirs. And they were great at it. More free throw attempts than anybody else um, because you had guys who specialized at getting into the paint and putting themselves in positions where other teams had to foul them to stop them. So I will agree that 
there's certainly been plenty of blown calls this season. The Lakers had at least four regular season games where a referee mistake at the end of the game cost the Lakers the win. Um, of course, the most infamous one being the Jason Tatum foul on LeBron against Boston. So there were some bad moments from the officials this season. No question. But I also thought that we didn't see Anthony Davis be aggressive enough. Um, as the, the comment says, AD, good sir, what has happened to you? LeBron willed the game until he ran out of gas. Needed to see AD be more aggressive. Needed to see a number of players be more aggressive. And the Nuggets did a better job defending the Lakers without fouling as well. You saw them um, hold back in the paint quite a bit. I mean, Dennis Schroeder, just the free throws, com the, the free throw spigot just completely shut off. He shot like two free throws in the final six, seven games of the playoffs. He just, just stopped getting free throw attempts. So the Nuggets, part of that is the, the Nuggets did a good job defending the Lakers without necessarily fouling them. Yes, the playoffs, the, the calls loosen up a bit and they're allowed to play a bit more physical. And there were also some missed calls too. I think it's all of that combined. But sure, there there's some referee things to complain about. But ultimately, the Lakers getting swept was on the Lakers and not the refs, in my opinion. Lone Wolf, do you guys feel like we shouldn't have traded Thomas Bryant? Well, hindsight being 2020, Thomas Bryant was healthy. Mobamba was not. So in that sense, no. But you did get three second round picks for him, which is really a great return. I mean, Thomas Bryant netted three second round picks and didn't isn't playing for Denver. Mobamba cost one second round pick. And in theory, could give you something, can give you three-point shooting, can give you some rim protection. He just wasn't healthy. Now, again, in hindsight, and seeing as the Lakers could have used another big, we can say, well, maybe they shouldn't have done the deal. But again, three second-round picks for a guy who's an expiring contract? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Like, I, I have a hard time arguing. I mean, the Lakers gave up three second-round picks to get Rui Hachimura. The same price to get Rui Hachimura is what it costs to get Thomas Bryant. Good Lord. That's incredible for the Lakers. I don't have a problem with them trading Thomas Bryant for that value even though in hindsight, um, in hindsight, you could say, man, they could have used another big. Lee Son, how many toes down are you with D'Lo now that he's not consistent enough to get anything north of $20 million? Bring in James Harden. I don't see the Lakers bringing in James Harden. Um, I don't see them bringing in James Harden. Um, I think that there's just, they don't have the money to do it. But... Um, as far as D'Lo goes, I'll still ride with him. I know he had a terrible playoff series. I think you're right, though. I think you can get him cheaper than you would have thought otherwise. And I think him walking away is not a good scenario for the Lakers. Now, again, if D'Lo's saying, I want $30 million or I'm walking, well, okay, you got to make a smart decision there and just say, well, you know what? We don't want a bad contract on the books that we can't move later on. We, we value flexibility. We're not doing that. But if you can get D'Lo, on a team-friendly deal? Yeah, I'm definitely doing that. I'm definitely doing that. Now, again, context matters. Is there another really good point guard that is there available to you for the same or similar resources as what it's going to cost to get D'Angelo Russell? If that's the case, maybe you move on. Maybe you move on. But in lieu of that, Based on everything that we're seeing, yeah, I'd still bring back D'Lo. I think offensively, he's a great fit with Austin. He can play on or off the ball, can shoot the three. Uh, pretty versatile in that way. It's not the defender that you're hoping that he would be, but 
I, I still think he's a pretty good fit for the Lakers. So if the possibility is there to bring him back, particularly on a team-friendly deal, I do it and then see what's what. Maybe he's a trade chip later on. Enoldo, no disrespect, but him is an idiot. You know how it's funny? Like people say no disrespect, you know, um, but, and then whatever follows is invariably incredibly disrespectful. <laughs> um, no disrespect, but Darvin Ham's an idiot. We found something. Well, calling someone an idiot an idiot is inherently disrespectful. No, no. Anyway, we found something that was working with Tristan Thompson on Jokic. Ham said, nope, AD will not play with another center in the fourth. Uh, most of Denver's points were from the paint. I think that's a fair criticism of Darvin Ham on the scope of the entire season. Anthony Davis played 99% of his minutes on the season at center. 99%. Almost every minute that he was on the floor this season, he played center. And I thought the Lakers not experimenting more with AD and Thomas Bryant on the floor together and later AD and Mobamba on the floor together. You can even argue in the postseason, AD and Tristan Thompson um, was a mistake. I thought that was a mistake. I thought the Lakers showed in 2020 that Anthony Davis next to a big can work. The drawback being that Anthony Davis is not shooting the three like he did in 2020. But Thomas Bryant can shoot the three. Mobamba can shoot the three. On paper, it makes sense to try that. And yet, the Lakers just about never did it. Which, it's possible that you try it and you still land at a point where you say, you know what, we're better off with Anthony Davis at center most of the time. That's possible. But good Lord, try it. Let's see. We've seen it work in the past. Why not at least give it a shot? Specifically for these situations where you run up against a big Denver team where you probably could use another big body out there on the floor. I think that's fair criticism. No disrespect <laughs> intended or not. Digital Snowflake, Latrev, can we please sign a shooter this offseason? Again, shooters and rebounders, that's what I'm looking for. But we'd love to do it. The question is, can you find somebody who can shoot and do something else? Hopefully defend. Can you find that? We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. Maybe that's Josh Richardson. We'll see. Shoe dude. Fire Darvin Ham. Resign Austin, Rui, and Dennis. Cut everyone else or veteran minimum deals. Okay. So fire Darvin. He's not getting fired. He took a seventh seed to the Western Conference Finals. Took a 13th seed at the trade deadline to the Western Conference Finals. He's not getting fired. You're not firing a coach under those circumstances. I know, I didn't think he coached a good series against Denver. I thought he coached a really good series against Memphis and against Golden State. But he's not getting fired, especially when he has three years left on a contract. The Lakers aren't going to say, Darvin messed up so badly that we're going to pay him for three years to not coach for us. They're not going to do that. Resign Austin, Rui, and Dennis. Okay, all very reasonable. Cut everyone else or veteran minimum deals. Cut everybody else. So obviously you're saying keep LeBron and AD, but get rid of everybody else. Try to build out a whole new team. So goodbye Lonnie, goodbye Wayne Gabriel, goodbye Troy Brown, goodbye D'Angelo Russell. Good, right? That's that you're saying goodbye to all those players. The refs helped them win. Okay, I, I, some people may be frustrated with the officials, but I I don't think I thought Denver was just really good. Uh, thanks Trev and the team. Fire Darvin Ham, hire Nick Nurse or Monty. That that see that's 
a question, right? If Nick Nurse, Monty, uh, Mike Budenholzer, all these guys are available last summer, do the Lakers still hire Darvin Ham? Or did the Lakers just have an opening at head coach when the talent pool was a little bit shallow? It's something to consider. I'm not... The answer may be yes, they would have still hired Darvin Ham. Look, he was very well regarded uh, as as a uh, coaching prospect out there last summer. He was widely considered to be the best one available. But this summer, man, there are some big-name coaches that are available right now. Again, I the Lakers aren't moving on from Darvin Ham, but I do wonder, like, if Nick Nurse was available last summer, do the Lakers still hire Darvin? Maybe not. Something to consider. Uh, Snurf said, so many brick threes. Ham was great until this series. Agreed. LeBron is getting slower and he's not as strong now. I really think the foot had a lot to do with it. Um, again, if you go back to the regular season, pre-foot injury, and you watch LeBron highlights from them, from then you go, whoa. Like, it is so noticeable how much more LeBron, how much more explosive LeBron was then compared to now. And so that does give you some optimism that, once the foot is fully healed, whether it requires surgery or not, we will see a LeBron that is, again, he's going to be 38, 39 in December. He's he's not going to be explosive like he was when he was 28 or something, but more explosive than the guy we saw in the postseason. I think that is a realistic outcome for the Lakers next season is to get a LeBron that's more explosive than what we just saw. So I wouldn't look at what we just saw and say, oh, that's simply who LeBron is now. I don't think so. I don't think that's the case. I think that was the foot injury uh, playing a, a role there. But Reeves is the best shooter that doesn't shoot. Yeah, you'd like to see his three-point volume come up a little bit. Um, shoots better than 40% from three, but only takes a few per game. Would like to see those go up. And perhaps that's the next step for him. That could be. All right. Last two here. Meech, keep your head up, Lakers fans. Better days ahead. Run it back, Lakers Nation forever. LeBron and Reeves look like the only two pushing down on the gas. Yeah, that, that's the concern, right? Is as the playoffs went on, it felt like the Lakers' list of playable players of guys you trust just dwindled. And so hopefully that's something that changes for next season and that this experience um, betters them as a team and makes them more prepared for these situations. Andrew, this hurts. Denver is great, but we did ourselves no favors. Long stretches in four games, gave no effort on the boards, went away from what works on offense, D'Lo adjustment too little too late, missed opportunity for 18 yeah, there were certainly missed opportunities in that series against Denver, and you hope the Lakers learn from it and grow from it. But yeah, they look, you cost yourself game one by going out with three guards. You can argue you cost yourselves game two and game three by not making another switch, by adding Rui into the starting lineup, by pulling out all the stops with who, who you're playing most of the minutes to. Um, and then you wound up in a situation where Denver was hot and they wind up sweeping you. I just hope, hope, hope again, to, to come full circle, Denver stays that hot in the finals, assuming that it is the Boston Celtics that they see there. Oh, it's so gross. Come on, Miami. Figure out some way to get it done in game seven tonight. Man, they are a huge underdog in this game and for good reason. But all right, Lakers Nation, give us your thoughts in the comments down below. Do appreciate all of you joining us here on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. If you're a podcast listener over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you give us that five-star rating and review. Till next time, everybody. See ya, and stay safe. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do 
and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.